Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast, the first in 2018 with me, Angie Mazzetti. And the guest this week is Clodagh Hughes. I think I'd have lasted much longer in the corporate world were it not for some of the challenges I found in there as a woman. And at that time, I couldn't put a name on it. I couldn't really understand it. But I just didn't feel it was somewhere where I was going to reach my full potential. A familiar story there from Clodagh Hughes, who not only now runs her own coaching and training business company, Motivate, she's also one of the founders of WOW, a voluntary leadership movement made up of senior female executives who are committed to empowering the next generation of women leaders in the business world so that they can reach their full potential and don't get bypassed mid-career, as so many women do, because of the culture of an organisation which doesn't nurture their talent for all sorts of reasons. Clodagh believes that companies that value their female talent as well as the male talent can only benefit from having a more evenly balanced workforce. I think it's all about balance. I think a team that is full of males is not healthy or effective. I think a team that is full of females is equally ineffective and unhealthy. So I think the joy of work now is when organisations that are progressive are seeing the benefits that those those brains can bring. Having an engaged, creative workforce is the ideal, Clodagh believes. But sometimes women have to battle so hard against a dominant male unwelcoming culture that women just get fed up. They're exhausted and they leave. When you're energised, you are creative, you're innovative and you do good work. When you're in an environment that sucks the energy out of you, you just can't give of your best. You know, and I think a lot of organisations are geared towards and have structures that don't make us play at our best. You know, This was part of the reason why Cloda and her mighty team set up WOW, which has developed an evidence-based action plan for companies and for women to address the barriers, both conscious and unconscious, that prevent women from having the freedom to excel in the workplace. My motto in my business world is people are fires to be lit. They're not vessels to be filled. Uh, And I have a huge belief in the potential of individuals. Some of the most successful women I have come across in my career are very clear on what's important to them, including family life. And they don't compromise on that. And they still manage to achieve great success. Clodagh Hughes was born in Zambia in Central Africa and she came to Ireland at the age of 12. She studied social science in UCD, but she knew she wanted to work in the business world when she left college. She started her career working for Bank of Ireland as part of their graduate recruitment group and was assigned to asset management. So I spent five years there, went back to college, did a master's in business and then I Uh, worked in Bank of Ireland Treasury and Offshore Banking as the head of marketing there and ended my corporate career as head of marketing Davy Stockbrokers. You make that sound so easy like and I just went here and I just went tell me how did that happen because that was quite a jump up the corporate ladder. Was it difficult? Yeah it was. It was difficult. Um, It certainly uh, required you to work very hard. Um, It became, I guess, and this is interesting with the subject we're moving into, it became much more difficult as I um, started having children and, and having to balance all of those those different aspects of life. Um, and I suppose, and this is really why I've become so fascinated in, this, fascinated in this area, I think I'd have lasted much longer in the corporate in the corporate world were it not for some of the challenges I found in there as a woman. Um, And at that time, I couldn't put a name on it. I couldn't really understand it. But I just didn't feel it was somewhere where I was going to reach my full potential and really 
um, I guess use you know you know you know when you know you're you're at your best and you're using all of your energy and all the rest. It was never a place I felt I could really do that with ease. It always felt like a bit of a struggle. Um, I understand a lot more of that now, but certainly there were things I adored about it. I loved the cut and thrust. I loved the engagement with the people. I worked with great people, learned a lot from people, um, but ultimately decided to leave the corporate world because I just didn't feel it was a fit for me. Did you, when you were there, did you notice that like the guys seemed to have a much easier ride to the top? Oh, listen, I was fascinated by this. I remember joining as a graduate recruit. There was, I think, five of us who joined together, two guys and three girls. And I'm an ambitious lady. And I remember looking at the two guys and noticing that they were going up that ladder far quicker than I. I remember doing a talk about this not so long ago. And I decided, listen, I'm not doing this stuff. And I kind of watched them for a while and recognized they were doing very different things to what I was doing as a woman. so I decided to, as I said in that speech I gave, to become the best version of the man I could be. <laughs> and suddenly, in becoming the best version of the man I could be, I went up that career ladder much quicker than I was prior to that, just as myself. Um, but I kind of felt like a fish out of water. It felt hard. It felt it just didn't feel natural. I was certainly succeeding. I was getting there but I was doing it in a way that didn't make me feel very good about myself. So it was very much about, you know, protecting your territory, being conscious of talking I language rather than we language, being very competitive, all of which is good stuff. Um, but I think my natural, I guess, female DNA wasn't coming to the surface. And I think that's something that I just struggled with in terms of being authentic as, as a person within the organisation. And of course, all companies now are going towards this authentic leadership. And this, is there a balance between male and female characteristics that both men and women should be bringing to the table? Listen, I think it's all about balance. I think a team that is full of males is not healthy or effective. I think team that is full of females is equally ineffective or unhealthy. So I think the joy of work now is when organisations that are progressive are seeing the benefits that those those brains can bring. I was fascinated. I did some research recently on the brain, the, the difference between male and female brains. And you know there's a difference? They did this research in Philadelphia about 10 years back and they they looked at, they took brain scans of 10,000 young women and men and they found that the neural pathways of the male went very much from top to bottom of the brain whereas the female's neural pathways went from left to right um, and the thinking behind that was evolution so the guy goes out to kill the food brings it back home hunter gatherer you know target focus all the rest of it the woman's job when he was out was to protect the homestead so her mental pathways were very much from left to right protecting the homestead making sure everything was secure And those natural instincts still play out in the workplace. So we as women are much better at collaborating. We use language like we much more than I, whereas guys use language like I. They're much more target-focused, competitive, almost aggressive. Um, And there's a huge benefit in both. Um, But unfortunately, um, we don't often get that balance within senior positions and senior boardrooms or senior executive teams. So sometimes they literally are going in for the kill, as they might say in business language. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely going in for the kill. And worse, women, when they play to their natural uh, abilities, 
like collaboration, like talking like within we rather than I. When we're successful, women tend to talk about my team. They tend not to take all the success themselves. Very often that's seen as weak in, in, in the corporate world that is very much geared for men and made for men um, and looks at women as less uh, strong and less uh, able than their male counterparts. We're just different, um, but unfortunately that isn't seen often as difference. It's much more seen as weakness. So when you left the corporate world, what did you do then? So I decided I was fascinated by, uh, I guess, the kind of insights I'd seen into human behaviour in in social science and then how I'd seen it playing out in this corporate world. And I decided I really want to understand what makes all of us tick, what makes human beings tick. So I decided when I had my last child to do a executive coaching course. So I did that for a year. And became so interested in the in the whole area of change and human dynamics that I threw myself fully into that whole area and developed a business on the back of it. So I've now been on in business for myself for the last 14 years. And I work with senior leadership teams, senior leaders, senior individuals all around people and performance. So my motto in my business world is people are fires to be lit, they're not vessels to be filled. Uh, and I have a huge belief in the potential of individuals and how do you unlock people's potential to get them to really perform at their best within within organisations largely. So it's a challenge for organisations generally, isn't it? So you've been involved with WOW Empowering. Tell me, how did that get started and what's it all about? So over the last 14 years, I have been, and we've touched on this in, in the interview so far, but I've been fascinated by meeting amazing women who have huge ability and talent but for some reason just don't seem to get to the same levels as their male counterparts um, and I have not seen any change over the last 14 years in that despite what you would hear there are huge amounts of there's m- lots of activity going around in terms of the diversity space and people really wanting women to, to, to get up that leadership chain far quicker so I two years ago 10 women uh, who I know who are good friends and colleagues and I got around a table and said we've got to do something about this we feel you know we've got to do something practical and pragmatic what is it we could do so wow was formed and the name came from a lovely lady called Cara Bulger who I think you know Um, a terrific lady and it it, it, it ended up looking like this so we identified 27 young women um, who we felt had great leadership potential but lacked supposed confidence Um, and we matched them with 27 senior businesswomen around town uh, and basically we incubated them for, for 12 months and they had six or seven mentoring sessions with these wonderful women who basically who had earned their stripes, been there, done that, smelt the coffee and who we felt could nurture these girls and, and teach them an awful lot about you know, their life journeys that they could draw from that experience in their own life journeys. And then every eight weeks or so, we uh, went in with specific interventions around building confidence for females. So um, the first intervention was around building self-awareness, understanding what holds you back, what pushes you forward. We did a piece on presenting with confidence. We did a piece around negotiating. So we'd done a lot of research which um, identified areas that women typically, typically struggle with in the workplace and they're getting in their way. So we developed courses around that, did pieces for them on that. And then we, we very researched before, middle and after and to see whether this pilot program would make any difference to in terms of them achieving success. I've got to say that at the very beginning, we did a very clear one day workshop around career planning. And we said to all of our mentees, 
we only want you to stay with us if you are prepared to make a step change in your career. So we really put it up to them to get out of their comfort zones and to push themselves. And we promised them, however, that we would mind them, support them, nurture them over those 12 months, but they had to be up for the journey. We didn't want anyone who would coast or not really put themselves full-heartedly into this process. And that worked? It was incredible. Um, we saw big increases in people's confidence. So I think prior, and I can't, the numbers are about, I think prior to starting, we asked them how confident they felt about their career and their abilities. And I think the number was about 37% of them felt confident. Now, these are girls who were working very hard. We looked at them and thought they were fabulous, but they themselves didn't think they were confident. And that increased to 80% over the time that they were with us. Do they have the same sort of difficulties, even though they might have been from different different workplaces? Mm. Do they have similar problems or similar barriers? Do they face them? All the same, irrespective of industry. They vary, they differ very little. What types of things? Uh, confidence. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of iffy about this confidence thing. I know, you know, for all sorts of reasons, we, we, we talked earlier about the minute you put on a pink baby grow, somehow you develop lack of confidence as a female. Personally, I think our lack of confidence is much more, much more to do with fit, cultural fit. So certainly I know from my experience, I entered the workforce feeling pretty confident about myself. That kind of eroded over the 14 years because I just felt like a fish out of water. So when you don't feel you're swimming in a channel that's accepting of you, of course you start questioning yourself and looking inwards. Um, I think men lack confidence. Uh, but as somebody said to me recently, it's much easier to lack confidence in a world that's accepting of you <laughs> than it is for a world that isn't. Okay, so I think that's what makes a big difference for women. Managing that mid-career is a real challenge for women. So they are either at a stage, so we target specifically age, the ages of 25 to 35. At that stage, women are starting families, or if they're not starting families, they're suddenly, they're minding parents. So there's a lot of stuff going on outside of work that they have to give attention to. And that was a challenge for a lot of the, the mentees that we had on, on our, um, in our pilot program. Cultural issues, just, you know, that, you know, what I've alluded to before, just the feeling like fish out of water, yeah, mm. just not understanding why, you know, just by being what they were, it wasn't, seemed and to be good do enough. Do they seem to be doing too much? Were they perfectionists as well? They're trying to do it all. Oh, listen, we have innate qualities in us that absolutely do not serve us in the world of work. They serve us brilliantly in the world of before going to work. So as school goers, we're told to be perfect and we're really good girls. We put our heads down, we have the stickies and we have the highlighters and the it does us stars, really good yeah. and we get our gold stars and we that becomes ingrained in our way of doing things. I have boys and girls in my family. My boys, you know, my God, I sometimes look, how do they ever get results? They do, but they get them very differently to my daughter. Um, we're taught to be perfectionistic or we take on this perfectionistic thing. Um, the problem is in the world of work, sometimes good is just good enough. You know, that going that extra mile and being perfectionistic doesn't serve us well, but trying to get us to get out of that is very challenging. The other key thing I, we found was that women are not good at making themselves visible. So we are conditioned to put our heads down. We get a tap on our, you know, uh, put your head down there now and be a good girl. And that doesn't serve us well in the world of work because our male counterparts have been told the complete opposite. It's like the silo mentality. This, uh, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is we are so bad at negotiating for ourselves. We are great at negotiating for our teams. We are great at negotiating for pay rises for everyone and anyone around us except ourselves. 
and that plays out obviously in this gender pay gap that we've we've become aware of over the last while. Amazing. So you know we are so one of the key messages that we we kept saying to our mentees was stay as you are, be your brilliant selves because being a female is fantastic. Being collaborative, this idea of web thinking is going to be hugely helpful in this new global world where we're becoming much more globalized and it's much more about matrix organizations. That is all we're going to absolutely play to our strengths. We're going to flex our muscles a wee bit around getting more visible, being less perfectionistic, um, negotiating better for ourselves and, you know, just flexing those inherent styles to become a bit more in tune with the corporate world. Because and if we don't, we'll stay still. And what about not judging each other? Do you think women are very hard on other women? This is a real uh, bugbear. I, I, you hear a lot of people who say that's not the case and that whole kind of queen bee syndrome is, is very hard to find evidence of nowadays. Personally, I still see it. I think we are very hard on, on ourselves and on, on each other. I see men naturally networking and supporting each other. I don't see it to the same extent in women. Um, I think maybe women who've, who have got to senior positions have had worked so hard to get there that they almost feel that others should work as hard and why should anybody get uh, special attention. So my the jury's out on whether that Queen Bee syndrome is dead and gone. Personally, I think I think we are hard on each other and we do judge each other. Yeah. So tell me about WOW Empowerment. You, you've, you've moved on from your first row of mentees yeah. and that. How's that going so, now? So we finished the programme and as I said, we were, we were determined at the outset that we didn't want this to be a flash in the pan. Was this one year programme? <clears throat> it was a 12-month pilot and we really were, we wanted to learn from it. We wanted to end up with something that we hoped would help business. Um, something that was practical and accessible and, you know, whatever. We think that there's so much out there in terms of gender diversity, isn't there? There is copious amounts of research, advice, papers, white papers. But our view, there wasn't anything that really pulled something together in one place that was very accessible and very practical. So two strands went into, we ended up with an action plan for business called Woman Up. And to like man up, only woman up. Woman up, exactly, exactly. And again, the name came from a wonderful friend of mine, Karen Hand, who's a brand strategist. And she had come across a book called Girl Up, which was all around young girls learning to stand up against bullying and stuff. So we did a creative session. She came up with that and we, we thought it was a super name. Um, two strands fed that action plan. Our pilot findings, so the fact that women, our, our, our mentees had gained confidence over the 12 months they were with us. A third of them made a step change in their careers. Um, some of them, and within that, that was, you know, had got big promotions, had got big pay rises. But outside of that, uh, that actual figure, there were girls who came to me after and said, you know, Clodagh, I was sitting at a meeting and one particular girl, I love this story, said I, there was a big conference coming up in my organisation and we were looking for a facilitator. And my hand was under the table and I was thinking in my head, I can do that, I can do that. And I had to literally, I said, wow, told me I have to make step change. They told me I had to do And she said, suddenly my hand just shot up. And she said, the amazing thing was, everybody was thrilled my hand shot up and I did a fabulous job. So those little stories were, ma were magic to hear about how the girls had progressed so much. Um, so confidence, step change, all those findings we, we, we plugged into our, our, our action plan. And then we did a huge amount of desk favors research around the barriers that held women back. We used uh, a, a bunch of fabulous HR master students in UCD who had done big theses on this. And we pulled all their findings in and they helped us with it a huge amount. So we ended up with this action plan called Woman Up, which focused on what we believe is a systemic 
change model for business around female leadership. Um, and we think that that model has the potential to, to really change things in this space in a way that probably hasn't, things haven't changed before. Okay, so pace has been, the pace of change has been glacial. And that's not just in Ireland, that's in the UK. And we're probably a little bit further behind than the UK and particularly Norway and the United States. How do we get to bring those principles into the workforce and actually work in companies? Like, is there is there a buy-in? Is it like all talk? Or how do we get it to move from, you know, thinking and talking about it to actual action? With not with ease. So um, the big message we're giving is that if you really want to get more females into leadership positions, you need to make sure that that pipeline is really well-minded. And there are three key buckets of activity that our change model uh, focuses on. And our key message is that there are levers of change within each of those three buckets. And I'll tell you where those buckets are. Um, but unless you pull all three together, um, uh, you will really just be tinkling with change. So it's very much a systemic model that is that requires attention. And that's pretty hard for organisations. So there's a piece around culture. And our key message around culture is you've got to make senior board tables a table where women want to sit at. So there is so much non-conscious bias that happens in organisations that stop women progressing. It's not intentional. It's not men behaving badly it's just a the way and a little bit but much I think we focus too much on a little bit of the men behaving badly and not enough on the unintentional unconscious stuff um, and it's widespread you know um, how job ads are crafted you know language like uh, target driven assertive that puts women off so there is now a facility where you can put your job ads into Google and you can translate them to make them female friendly. You know, a simple thing, um, how you conduct interviews, how you, you know, at this wonderful research that shows, you know, if you blind test or blind interview, you're much more likely to get females into your panel than you are if you don't. So they're non-conscious stuff that really is getting in the way. So our big message there is you need to gender-proof every aspect of your organisational life to get that culture, one where women are energised rather than when they feel they're just surviving. The other key bucket of activities around leadership and our big thing is here, just don't talk a good game. Actually go and do it. Easier said than done. Yeah. yeah. So how do they do it rather than just talk about it? A relentless focus is required. From the top down? From absolutely the top down. So too, all too often we, we hear CEOs talking a good game, thinking they've done it, ticking a box, and then moving on to the next priority. Now, you know what? I'm so aware there are so many priorities on a CEO's table. So again, it's not like we're waving, you know, a very cross finger. We're very aware that this is one of a heap of priorities. And it's one that takes a long term focus. And very often the system within which a CEO works is very short term. So, you know, the stock market's demanding quarterly returns, that kind of stuff. This takes a very brave CEO who's going to invest in this in a way that actually might in the short term hit the bottom line, but for a long-term benefit. That's not always easy to, to, to deliver in a world that demands much more of you. So I'm not underplaying the challenges that this brings. But for leaders who take it on, 
All the research shows where you have an equal balance of men and females on senior leadership teams and on boards, your bottom line benefits. So there is, this is not about a nice to have, there is an absolute business benefit to doing this. Is a key part of that though measuring and constantly measuring and doing something with the data that you measure? Relentless focus and relentless measurement. So we would be saying you need to do a diagnostic on your business first. Check out where, how many females are in your are in your pipeline. How do you currently? How many females are getting through your promotion, your your performance management system with with promotions? Uh, how many women are you getting into your panels? I was with a senior recruitment person yesterday who's interested in this area. She said the organisations don't even have these questions when they're looking to recruit people. Even still, she said it has never come up. She has. She deals mainly with financial services company. She said it is never put on the table that we want a gen- gender balanced profile. So, twenty years on, <laughs> still not happening. So yeah, leadership is giving it intent. The key thing is being having in- integrity about this. You know, really wanting to do it and seeing it as a business issue, not something that you feel you have to do because it's kind of the in thing to do. And um, measuring it, setting targets. Personally, I think quotas are something that we all should look at. I know that women, lots of women don't like it. Um, I think any woman that gets onto a board plays up and absolutely delivers irrespective. So I don't think that we're getting weak characters up there. I think we're actually just allowing strong, capable women much more of a chance to get there by putting quotas in place. If not quotas, certainly targets. Because otherwise, in 20 years time, I'll be having the same conversation with you. Um, I think the Norwegians who have brought in that 40% quota for public companies, they have found that they've got a better quality of candidate, both male and female, because they're not going to the same small pool from one small area of Oslo. Uh, So, I mean, the same, you you don't want to be going back to the same schools. You need a diversity of people. Would you agree? I, I, I totally agree with you. And I get quite incensed sometimes when I hear that, you know, there isn't, you know, there isn't a pool of females available. There is absolutely a pool of females available. We're just not looking hard enough to find ones that are slightly outside of the box, maybe. Um, you know, certainly I know one of the challenges with, at board level for, is that women who get onto boards tend to have P&L experience, and a lot of women tend to gravitate towards HR, you know, maybe legal um, marketing. What do you mean by PNL? Sorry, profit and loss. So that those parts of the business where they actually finance sales that hit the bottom line directly, those those kind of skills are very much sought after at board level, and the, 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 there is a view that women have less of those skills, and it's true, women have less of those skills than men because they naturally gravitate to the businesses that the support functions within an organisation. Well, they might naturally gravitate to that, accept that, but do you think that the culture needs to be more accepting of women doing PNL roles as well? I absolutely, they, they gravitate towards them because organisations aren't accepting of them to do it. <laughs> so, and it's right throughout, you know, girls tend not to have the same, come in without the, the same STEM uh, background that guys do. So, look, it's a... That's changing at universities That now, is changing. Though. That is changing. So, you know, all of this stuff is changing. But I suppose back to my point, you know, I think there are loads of wonderfully capable women out there just look outside the box a bit and, you know, be a bit brave in how you go and recruit them because they're there. I interrupted you. You were talking about the various buckets and we went off on a tangent. So, so, so just so I'm one. not... Re- so culture is one yeah. and our key message there, make this a place where women will thrive rather than what they're currently doing to a large extent, which is trying to survive it. Leadership, take this on with absolute integrity. It is a really 
important business strategic issue and see it in that way. And the final piece is around female, because I think that we certainly have a role to play in all of this as well. Um, and our key message to females is that, you know, celebrate the fact that you are fantastic, and I, we've alluded to this before, but also flex your style a wee bit. So, um, you know, there's no doubt, as I said before, we, we naturally don't negotiate, we don't make ourselves visible, we don't, you know, network in the same ways that guys do. If we want to play in this game, we, we need we need to get better at that stuff while we're waiting for the equal playing field to occur. What are these skills that can be learned? They absolutely are skills that can be learned. And, you know, very often it's just making women aware of the fact that we don't negotiate well and arming them with a bit of training around how to do it and then letting them at it. You know, so much of our non-conscious behaviour is non-conscious and actually just... Becoming aware of it is the sea change towards just, you know, behaving better. And not behaving better, behaving more effectively. Uh, is achieving better gender diversity in business just about females becoming more confident? Or, you know, is there, you, you referred there a little bit to it, uh, you know, that it's good for business. Why is it good for business? Our recent financial collapse, a great, I think, example of why having more females at senior levels is important. Men are naturally much more ego-driven, I think, than females are. And I think if I was to stand back and assess that, there's a lovely quote from um, the lady who's in the IMF, Christine Lagarde, if Lehman Brothers, what if Lehman Brothers were Lehman Sisters? And I think there's a lot to be truth be said to that. I think women are just better at having, looking at different angles to men. I think we're less ego-driven, so, so it's less about the short-term hit and the short-term targets. It's much more about the long-term. That's sustainability. Sustainability. Maybe. Now, by the way, things that just on their own aren't necessarily good. You need the cut and thrust of the male way of doing things as well. So my key message always is we need more of a balance. It's not about one or the other. But I definitely think that that lack of female input at a senior level is definitely, you know, one of the reasons why we ended up where we were in the financial crisis, without a doubt. I was interviewing a wonderful lawyer in Oslo University and she said it's about sustainability of the planet and I didn't get that. I thought, Mm. you know, it's, well, is that not about the environment and recycling? And that she said, it's part of the same thing because women see, as you said earlier on, the bigger picture, the wider situation. And so we're looking at the longer term goals of the company, how it affects the environment, how it affects the sustainability of the earth. Mother Earth. You know, so there's a lot to be said for, you know, you know, giving that feminine perspective, whether it's a man or a woman brings it to the table. But given that, you know, wider perspective for sustainability and sustainability of your organization, sustainability of your people, you know, at at the the very start, sustainability is how you manage, grow and develop your people Um, and women are are good at nurturing and good at doing that I was on a board not so long ago and uh, I we were doing some pretty significant changes to the CEO's job and after discussing the what of all the changes uh, all the men piled up their cases ready to go and I stopped and said now we just need to check in with the CEO about how he feels about all of this stuff and there was just blank faces who looked at me in what? Why would we need? We've just decided this is fine. So it was such an obvious, you know, I thought so differently about that. The reality was, unless you're checking with somebody that they're into these changes, sure, they won't do them. But that, for me, was a real example of how important it is to have that female voice at a senior table. It's different, 
it's not always the right thing, but it balances out the male, the male only way of thinking, which I think is very beneficial for business. We'll have more from Clodagh in a moment on the practical things that companies and individuals can do to change things for the better. This podcast is open to sponsorship and advertising and we're now reaching audiences all over the world and particularly in the United States. So if you'd like to work with us, contact us through the website womeninleadership.ie or by email info at womeninleadership.ie or angie at womeninleadership.ie. We'd love to hear from you. So when it comes to women and what they can actually do, you have some recommendations in your Yeah, so we've actually, what we wanted to do was make this really practical and pragmatic. So for each of those buckets, we have 10 action points for business. So we have 10 action points for what organisations can do around their culture. We have 10 action points around what leaders uh, can do within their organisations. And we have 10 action points for what females can do. Do you want to start with the action plans for what can actually do in a company? Yeah, in a cu- on the culture front. Really important, first of all, to diagnose your starting point. So you can't affect change unless you know where you currently are in terms of your gender-diverse policies and, and how you're doing in this front. Gender-proof every aspect of your organisation. So how you recruit, how you promote... How you interview. How you write the ad. Is how you write the ad. You know, we've heard the story ten times over, but a woman goes, sees an ad on a board and there's ten attributes on it, and she says, I've only nine of those, I'm not going to go for it. A guy will look at it and say, I have two of those, I'm made for the job. Those kind of things have to be, you have to be made aware of that way of thinking or way of being in, in, as you recruit for people. Confront your biases. A really important thing in terms of culture is enlist men as your advocates. You is know, that easy? We had a number of events while we were doing well, thought leadership events, and we so struggled to get men to attend. It was like an echo chamber. (laughs) Um, We actually ended up having one event where we had an all-male panel, um, and we purposefully put it up to men, what can you guys do to make this different? So I think we need to be mindful about how we we enlist men and how we try and get them as advocates. There's really interesting programs going around um, in organisations now, Mark, Men uh, Advocating Real Change, I'm sure you've heard that, and Dell, they found that's been really helpful. And Dads for Daughters is another really interesting campaign that Unilever, I think, used. Yeah, and again, those kind of innovative ways... um, you know, what we find, we really talk to men who's, who have daughters and who really can sit up and say, OK, this is now and start affecting my child as she goes into the workforce. So, you know, that kind of um, that kind of support is really, really important. Um, invest in the right type of initiatives. Uh, what do you mean by that? A lot of this stuff is balloons at reception. Typically, they're pink and... Um, they, they they are scratching the surface of stuff. You know, let's have a facilitated discussion around the barriers that affect women. And you have that and everyone goes away happy and nothing is ever done. Just gone around in a circle. Hmm. Yeah, so it's about, it's really investing in the initiatives that affect real change. So it's, you know, it's much more systemic That's you know than, than that. Reframing the rigidities of work, that's the whole idea around, you know, work needs to be more flexible for both men and women, actually. Mm-hmm. I think um, men always appreciate that. Uh, they didn't even realise they needed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I spoke to one guy who's working in an organisation who are really embracing this, and he says, look, I love being able to, you know, leave work at two and go and play my football match and then come back again at four. So, you know, that energises me. So it's about, you know... Probably thinking a lot clearer as well. Listen, when you're energised, you... You are creative, you're innovative, and you do good work. 
when you're in an environment that sucks the energy out of you, you just can't give of your best. You know, and I think a lot of organisations are geared towards and have structures that don't make us play at our best, you know. Make it personal, that's the whole idea of getting dads to think about this from their daughters' perspectives. Role models in culture, really important. We don't have enough female role models, sadly, because they just haven't got there. And those that have, unfortunately, are the women that are the best version of men that they can be. And a lot of the mentees we spoke to said, I, if that's what it is, you can have it. I don't want that. So um, the right type of role model is really important. Expect resistance. I think a lot of people feel, let's do a few things here. This is long term. It's hard. And you're going to get resistance all along the way from both men and women, to be honest. You know, I know a lot of women actually don't like being involved in female-only programs because they feel... I don't want to be treated differently. I don't want, I want to be the same. So, you know, we were a lot of, we got a lot of resistance in the pilot, you know, when we were doing the thought leadership programs, we were getting feedback to them. So it was interesting. And the key thing is to remember that even though culture is this huge, big animal, that actually even you within a big culture can affect change. So they're the kind of 10 um, act cultural actions. You know. It's an interesting concept that remember that you can make a change because people think, well, it's only me. You know, what difference can I make? But when enough people get together and, you know, with the whole Me Too thing, I know it's a different context, but when you have support from sisterhood, but also from the men, you know, we can be invincible. We can actually get yeah. there. And as you earlier said, the whole social media is a hugely powerful tool in this space. You know, we have much more voice than we ever had before if we use those tools. Um, and, you know, the Me Too campaign you talked about, I mean, that has really... Uh, affected a huge swell of, you know, activity and action, voice around that But it issue. also showed what a lot of women, even at the top levels in Hollywood and in politics, have been putting up with, putting up with a lot of crap, actually, for a long time, you know. Yeah. And it's it's about time it stopped, I think. Yeah, and my only worry about all of this, and I, it's horrific, it's awful, but we're focusing on the really bad things. Uh, my worry is we focus so much on the bad stuff that we ignore the insidious stuff that isn't harassment of a sexual nature, but it's harassment of a psychological nature, if you know what I mean, in, within work. And that, that is, that insidiously gets at people. So yes, let's focus, this is horrific stuff, but don't lose sight of the fact that this is actually going on at a, a different level, far wider across organisations, and that needs attention too. We need to call out, you know, biases, even if they seem insignificant. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're told, oh, you just don't have a sense of humour, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, I think it's been brave enough to call out biases. You know, what you don't want is to create a situation where people are feel utterly straightjacketed and can't say a word. I mean, I think that would not be a good environment for any of us. <laughs> you need to be able to laugh and to, you know, have fun. Um, but it's, it's, it's recognising when that becomes and, and steps across a line. So what about the women themselves? What can women do so we've to ten actions. things? Yeah. Key Tell thing is, them, yeah. my big message to women, it's kind of harsh, but it's a bit of, it's called get over yourselves. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own way. So much of our lack of progress comes because naturally we get in our own ways. Um, so the programme we put in place, the day-long workshop we spent with the ladies on career planning was very much about that, understanding that you really, you know, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So get over yourselves. The second thing is don't overthink things. Grab opportunities. Jump in. <laughs> it said more. Jump in. Put that hand up. 
don't overthink it. We analyse to death as women. It's our natural way of doing things. Uh, brilliant in lots of ways, but sometimes it gets in our way. I often say that to people about broadcasting. They get, uh, you know, called to do an interview for a radio and they go, oh no, I couldn't and I need to get my hair done or somebody to mind the kids. Just say yes, put down the phone yes. and work it out afterwards. Yes, you know? yes exactly. <laughs> That's what I did today with you, Angie. I <laughs> jumped in. <laughs> because by the way, I have to work on this stuff all the time we as a female. You know, do. I think the day you think you've got it cooked, you're done. Um, and, and I think there's something important around being honest about that, that we work on this every day, you know, all, all the time. Catalyzing your professional relationships. Um, we're not good at networking. I'm abysmal at networking. One of the biggest lessons I took from this this year was I'm going to make sure to do that more. Um, I don't know why we don't like networking. I think there's a sense of sassiness or something about there's it. There's an awkwardness about it. Yeah. Awkwardness about yeah. it. I was at a, a, an event in um, Belgium there a couple of years ago and a woman got up, I think she was from the Czech Republic, and she said, you go to a place and she says, and the men you network, they have a pocket on the left and a pocket on the right. They hand out their business card, they take back the other one, so they take from one pocket, they put into the other. The woman was going like, where did I leave my business cards? And they're arse in the air, they're rooting under the table. Where's my bag? Where did I leave them? And then they don't know where to put them. So it's, you know, it's yeah. a skill that can be learned. Yeah, yeah. It's a skill and it's a mindset, I think, as well. And I think it's about, you know, I think, I think the male mindset is let's support each other. You know, it's one of abundance. And I think back to your point earlier, women, I'm not sure, are very good at, you know, so I wonder, is that a t- tail on then to networking? Is there a kind of a, a kind of a, a residue that goes with all of that? Um, anyway, the bottom line is, if we want to do well in the in the corporate world, you've got to bloody network. In fact, if you want to do well in anything that you do, you've got to network and 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 ask. The other key thing is, ask for help. Ask people for introductions. We're not good at that kind of stuff. And actually, when you do ask, women are terrific. They are. Yeah. They are. Uh, I remember one of my first. One of the jobs I I worked for stint when I was out on my own for a training company, and I remember when they asked me to go work with them, I said, "I'll happily work for you, but don't ask me to use my any of my personal friends for business." <laughs> and I wrote it out, and you know, I thought back afterwards, "What a silly woman you were!" But again, the sense I don't know, being a woman, use your relationships, think big, get a game plan. Women do not plan their careers. It was a big piece of insight that we got so you know what every you need to sit down and you need to think what am I going to achieve this year what goals am I going to set for myself and you make sure to keep that visible throughout the year get noticed again head above the parapet if you do a project find somebody who's going to sponsor you to be visible around it rather than handing it over to somebody else uh, seek opportunity to give you PL experience if you aren't in finance and you're in HR Take on a project that might give you PL experience, likewise uh, in marketing. Um, so it doesn't have to be a role, it can be a project. Perfection, you've raised that lovely, that lovely thing. Don't let it swamp you. We're good at swamp getting doing, you know, 80% so brilliantly that the 100% ends up not being useful. Negotiate, remember we're worth it. Um, Love that L'Oreal line, it's great. We're worth it, it. we're <laughs> absolutely we worth it. We have to believe it. it as well. We do, we do. But sometimes you just say, fake it till you make it. <laughs> kind of thing Absolutely. Um, and this one is really important to me number 10 which is called recognize what drives you and don't give up so some of the most successful women I have come across in my career are very clear on what's important to them including family life 
And they don't compromise on that. And they still manage to achieve great success. So I think as women, we feel almost apologetic that we have children. We uh, apologize for leaving early. Uh, God forbid, I remember some women leaving jackets on the back of their chairs and sneaking out something just that there was the sense of presenteeism. Strike your boundaries, set your boundaries and don't apologize for them. And when you come across in that space, you're much more powerful than if you're apologizing and weak around having to go and mind your kids. That is what makes you happy. That's what makes you energized. And if, 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 if having that means you can't have a career, don't work for that organization. I have another friend, Georgina Kurskad, and she says, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I love that line. That's so, so true. The problem is how many organisations make you feel celebrated. Isn't there another phrase that uh, when you're a parent, if you're a man, it's a bonus. And if you're a woman, it's a penalty. <laughs> the motherhood a penalty and yeah. the fatherhood bonus. Like, yeah. isn't he a great guy? He's got so many kids. She's got four kids. She's not going anywhere. You know, yeah. that sort of mentality needs to change, I think, yeah. really. I remember when I started my working world, being fascinated by all the men having pictures of their families and kids on, the work, on their tables. None of the women did. Because they were afraid, do you think? I think, I mean, I, I, wasn't, I was too young to understand what it was, but... I, I think women just felt proving themselves, women, children would get in the way, not something you want to draw attention to. Are you optimistic for the future? I tell you what makes me optimistic. I think millennials, my young daughter, will no longer go into an organisation that doesn't celebrate her. I spoke with Mark Ryan, who was managing partner of Accenture when we were doing this project, and he he made the point that, you know, they were losing really talented women from their pipeline and it was starting to hurt their bottom line. Um, and they were also recognising that their millennials, when interviewed, being interviewed, were asking questions around culture, how women thrive in this organisation. What are your gender diversity policies like? You're actually asking this Asking these questions. Isn't that yeah, fantastic? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, these are the brightest and the best who really can't pick and choose where they want to get to. So I think that's going to be the groundswell. I think organisations are going to have to sit up and it's going to be, you know, a burning need rather and sadly than a burning platform. Um, so I'm confident that our young people will demand more of this stuff and therefore change will happen. I also think that it's so much more important nowadays, Angie. I mean, I think, you know, the day of not having two salaries feeding a household is gone. I think you and me were lucky we might have had choices around stepping back. I, I was lucky I could step up to step forward to take out and set up my own business. I don't know if a lot of women are going to have that choice going forward. So I feel really passionate that we have got to make this organisation a place that doesn't exhaust, stress them, not make them feel that they're the brilliant people that they are. Um, so hopefully, you know, enough of us are going to feel that passion. are going to keep on this quest to make sure our organisations sit up and take note. If there are other companies out there that would like to know more about the programme and to follow up, how can they get in touch with you? So we want to spread this message. We are, we've already been in front of IBEC. Um, I'm going to do, we've been asked to do a few in-house uh, speaking events, conference events. So Claudia at motivate.ie, our website, wow, empowering, certainly won't link into that and you'll get, get access to all of us. Thank you very much, Claudia. It's really inspiring listening to you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Angie, for giving us the time. Thank you. 
That was Clodagh Hughes of WOW Empowering. And remember what she says. If you are offered an opportunity to do something new, put your hand up and say yes. Have the confidence and the self-belief. The world needs more women at the decision-making table in all aspects of life. You can read more about WOW Empowering on their website, wowempowering.ie and Clodagh's own website for her coaching and training company, Motivate. That's Motive with the number eight afterwards. If you or your organisation is interested in advertising or sponsoring this podcast, do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you and you can direct message us on Twitter or email info at womeninleadership.ie. The Women in Leadership podcast is interested in hearing about inspirational women who are making a difference in any aspect of life. So if you know anybody you think we might be interested in talking to, contact us at info at womeninleadership.ie. The Twitter address is leadingwomenpod, at leadingwomenpod. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti, and all the Women in Leadership team, goodbye, take care, and remember, put your hand up.